Dr. Dave, another episode of that naturopathic podcast. You've already introduced me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you don't need to say you're Dr. No, Dave no. and I'm Dr. Kara. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're here with uh, Dr. Christina Bjorndal uh, or Dr. Chris. Uh, welcome, Dr. Chris. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So what's, what's happening uh, for you these days, Dr. Chris? You're in Alberta. You're in Edmonton, right? You bet. Yeah. You've got a few books under your belt and you're practicing naturopath there. Do you want to give us a little bit more about you before we uh, just dive into everything? Sure. Yeah. So I haven't always been a naturopathic doctor and uh, it was really through my own journey with my mental health that I ended up becoming one. So for me, my mental health issues started in high school. I developed an eating disorder and I also uh, actually, just an interesting side note on that. The year prior to developing the eating disorder, I was treated with antibiotics for several months to treat acne. So we know now that there's a relationship between the gut and the brain and mm. this word, the microbiome. And and so I didn't know that back in the 1980s, uh, but it's just really highlights the importance of taking a patient's case and mm. really looking at what has been the history that they've walked prior to going to see a doctor. So, and I was also an overachieving type of personality, um, which stems, I think, from I'm, I'm adopted. So I was trying to always sort of prove myself and keep my spot in the world. And that um, overachieving behavior served me quite well. Um, until I got to third year in my undergrad at university and I found myself in a place that I'd never been before, which was debilitated with depression, having suicidal ideations and paralyzed with anxiety. So I ended up being prescribed medication, which I took. And within a few months after that, I found myself in another place that I'd never been, which was having uh, little to no sleep, very rapid speech, quite euphoric, and basically then spun out of control into a delusional psychotic manic episode. And it took six people to wrestle me into a straitjacket and off I went to the hospital where they injected me with Halperidol, which is a powerful antipsychotic. And I was then left in a rubber room to come back to reality. And when I came back, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder type one. And so what I did with that was I pretty much shoved it in a far corner that I didn't want to look at mm -hmm. and uh, continued marching through the world wearing this mask that, you know, I'm okay on the outside and, and I'm, but yet I was struggling on the inside and I fast forward when, uh, for 10 years and I uh, ended up having a suicide attempt, which left me in a coma with kidney failure. I was on dialysis, told I would need a kidney transplant. When I came out of that coma, I can tell you I certainly wasn't happy about that, that I was still here. Mm -hmm. But I look at that actually as my spiritual turning point, the, 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 a crisis, if you will. It was an opportunity to, um, I mean, for me, I realized that I needed to figure out another way to navigate this journey that we call life. And there was a book I was given to read while I was recovering. And, and there was a quote in that book. Um, the book is called A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And this quote is on surrender, which goes along these lines, that surrender is, is not about breaking out of anything. It's a gentle melting into who you really are. So you let down your armor and you discover that the most important thing that matters is love. And so for myself, I realized that I didn't love myself. I mean, most people who are struggling with staying here on the planet are at war with themselves in some capacity. And so that's basically the 53 year journey that I've been on uh, in a nutshell for you. Um, so I was only doing or seeing Western doctors at that time and I was on five psychotropic meds mm -hmm. um, but I just I was never I never felt well mm -hmm. so eventually actually the same friend that gave me that book to read she's a nutritionist and encouraged me to see a naturopathic doctor so I started seeing a naturopathic doctor in 
and uh, and so here I am. Yeah, and and I mean let's let's help people if they haven't figured it out. We're going to talk about like mental health today. So um, it's like it's a heck of a story that you're living in your life. Um, and so it sort of makes me think of the, you know, the wounded healer that people talk about. Now you've become, you know, an naturopathic doctor um, and you've got all this history that, you know, you can read about things, but you mm-hmm. experiencing them is a totally different kind of wisdom. So uh, that's why it's really interesting, I think, for us to have you on and, and, um, and tell us about it from a first person perspective and from a perspective of, a, of an naturopathic doctor. Um, but I want to ask you what well means. I mean, it's just a word I know that you sort of you said you weren't well, but maybe you could talk about like what you think well means. Mm-hmm. Well, I think well, you know, it's a relative term, right? Well compared to what? Uh, so I think for me, it means not suffering and struggling with the types of thoughts that I would struggle with on a daily basis. So to me, in a sense, well is the absence of or to be free from the, the sense of suffering. Mm. And, and what I usually explain to people is, you know, we have two branches to our nervous system, right? And as clinicians, we usually talk about it in terms of sympathetic or parasympathetic. But from a patient's perspective, we want to use words like um, suffering or beautiful or service or sabotage. So you're either in one, you're only in one state at a time. So you're always wanting to check in, what are you feeling? And are you feeling in this sort of well, or are you feeling unwell? And if you're unwell, then what can we do to move to this other state? And it's not that I'm, you know, always in a state of wellness, right? It's, it's, there's sort of moving back and forth, but most of the most of the time I'm spending in a state of wellness. I was just hesitating there because I was, I, I'm very, um, I used to be in finance, so I'm very analytical with like with numbers. And so I, I, I've sort of analyzed my, the decades of my life, you know, so the decade from the twenties to thirties and decades, mm-hmm. you know, and how much time I spent in, in depression and anxiety. And in the twenties and thirties, it was 80% of the time. And in the, that following decade, it was 60%. And then this last decade of my life, it was more like 40% of the time. So, so far this, um, you know, three years into this next decade. And, and, and so far it's been very little time spent in an unwell state so i want people to hear that because it's it's not it's it's really a condition whether we're talking about bipolar disorder depression anxiety even the eating disorder piece Mm -hmm. it's about managing where you are i think and and um because i always get asked this question you know are you cured right and and i think for me the goal is to take each day as it comes. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future, but for today I am well. Dr. Chris, I'd love to hear just hearing that story. Um, and I love that it took you into becoming a naturopathic doctor. I think for some of our listeners that might not have been the obvious place to go, right? You know, you, you, you hear, other stories of, of people who've struggled and perhaps become a social worker or a counselor or, or, or you know, worked in, in, in uh, public organizations. So what was it that took you into naturopathic medicine? And I guess my ultimate question is, how does that, how does naturopathic medicine for you really fit into the landscape of mental health? Mm-hmm. Well, it really was that the journey that I went on because I had been, um, you know, I was, I had been to counselors and, and um, my psychiatrist, those are my primary care providers, um, but yet was always still struggling, right? Still having struggles. And it really wasn't until I saw, so two people, I saw a naturopathic doctor and I also saw um, another psychiatrist who was an orthomolecular psychiatrist named Abraham Hoffer. Mm -hmm. He's, um, and he used mostly nutrients um, to help support the neural pathways in the body that make serotonin and dopamine and and GABA. 
So it was really the combination of seeing both of them that I, in the year that followed, that I actually had this, this first year where I felt free from depression and anxiety, which I hadn't had in the, in the 15 years prior. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there was something to this. And, and I, I had a, I had a really uh, high profile job and I was making lots of money and I, but yet I still wasn't happy. I know a lot of people pursue money. They think that that's, that's sort of the key to success is the size of your paycheck. Um, but for me, it, it wasn't, it didn't make any difference to how I felt inside at all. So I knew that there was more to life than just the, the title or, you know, or the size of my paycheck. And so I think the other piece of that, though, that was put me in a unique position to go back to school, because I had to go back to high school when I was 33, because I didn't take the sciences the first time around. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't married. I didn't have children. You know, my dad would look at his watch and he'd be like, oh, you know, 35 and no prospects. Right. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I was unencumbered, unencumbered. And I had, um, I had the, the financial means to, to restart my life. And, and that, I remember saying that to, to that to my mom, I said, you know, can I just, I feel like I got on the wrong track, you know, I'd like to just change tracks. Can I do that? And it's not, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it, you know, it was, it was, it was doable. And, and it really taught me to trust, to trust that I am, that there is a power that is greater that is supporting us when we, when we listen and learn and, and lean in and trust. And I've been supported every step of the way. So um, it's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. And so the second, an- the second question is I, to answer that is I really feel that naturopathic doctors have such a critical role to play mm-hmm. in mental health. I really think that we're one of the only professions that looks at people holistically. So as as I like to explain to my patients that you have to understand there's four aspects to you, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. And our Western system is just focused on that physical level for the most part, which is fine to, for some people, that's, that's all you need. In my case, I needed more than that. I, I needed to look at my thoughts. I needed to look at my emotions. I need to look at my core beliefs. I needed to look at my shadow beliefs, my unconscious commitments. All of that is, is, has been part of my healing journey. So, and I think naturopathic doctors are well positioned to, to really offer support to people who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Well, you could even argue that um, like health, mental health is just a part of health. It's all health. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the the divisions between like physical and mental health are blurry at best and probably man made for the most part, um, because health is health. And when you're uh, physically taking good care of yourself, so your orthomolecular approach with Abram Hoffer, which by the way, if anyone knows Abram Hoffer is, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, right. More than just the endies listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people might know that he's he was pretty cool, but anyway. Um, yeah, so like you're, you're doing something that's, on, you know, it's arguably working on the gross sort of f- physiological level and having an effect sort of upstream or whatever on, uh, on mental health. And it's interesting, we always talk about this like bi-directional thing that mm-hmm. happens, you know, like when the brain's better, the mind is better and, um, and all that. So yeah, I just, I think it's worth, if people haven't really heard it, because I feel like we separate a lot of the time with this uh, convenient sort of separation that our brains are really good at doing. Yeah, like men- mental health's not all in the head. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not. No. Like what's that saying? Um, as, as above, so below. Yeah. But the other way around too, right? Exactly. And yeah. then like uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Eamon, uh, he's talking yeah. a lot about like, you know, when you have a mental health problem, you probably have a brain problem too. Mm-hmm. Like your brain's not working as well as it can. And so I don't know. I just, I, I'm using this, uh, talk as a, as a way of getting that out because I think it's an important concept and, uh, and you talk about it um, but you also talk about um, you know emotional spiritual stuff which some people run away from <laughs> do you want to like well I'm not afraid to go there you're talking to the right guy like uh, but but how do we how do we convey what you're talking about with emotional and spiritual in a, in a world uh, that is you know, quite uh, deterministic and and right now um, you know overly concerned I don't want to 
make this uh, a very dated talk, but it's very concerned with germs right now. Mm -hmm. um, and there's other, but there's all the, these other aspects uh, to to our reality and emotional and spiritual. Do you want to just maybe share with uh, with our listeners sort of how you talk about those aspects with your patients? Mm -hmm. And and it's it's really about um, well, first you want to be finding out where people are at and what their views are, because you do have you have to meet people where they are. Uh, but for people who are open and, and willing to learn, I just, the, the biggest thing for me is really learning to tap in and trust your own sense of, of intuition, which can be, in, in my view, I look at that as, as being um, connected to the universe or God or spirit, whatever you know, kind of word floats your boat. And so I teach patients um, this exercise, just called the heart exercise, where I help them. It's really just about quieting your mind and tuning into to your heart. So, I mean, we can do it together. If, if one of you wants to, to be a guinea pig, we can try it. Kara needs it right now. Yeah. Right. Sure. Needs it right okay. Now. Sure. Do I do need it. Okay, so it's pretty, really easy. I'll just, and people who are listening, I'm just going to invite you to, 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 um, to participate. Uh, obviously, if you're driving, I don't want you taking the hands off the wheel, but yes, yeah, just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, where you yeah. are. Yeah, you can take a second to pull over if you want. But um, so I'm just going to ask you to place your hands over your heart and just taking and just closing your eyes and just taking a deep breath in and just settling into this moment. And then I'm just gonna guide you with a few questions and I just want you to repeat the question and then the answer that comes to you. Keeping your eyes closed though so that we can just keep the ego out of the way. So the first statement is, heart, show me where you are. And so you just share with us whether you notice a word or a color or a phrase or there can be nothing and that's okay too. Is there anything coming up for you? The word that came up was home. Home, that's nice. Okay, heart. So just repeat after me. Heart, will you ever lie to me? Yes. Will you ever lie to me? Yes or no? Yes or no. And then share the answer. That's a no. No. Heart, have I always followed you? Yes or no? Heart, have I always followed you? No. Heart, how do you feel when you hear, I haven't always followed you? Heart, how do you feel when I hear, I haven't always followed you? I don't know if I hear an answer. Let's just ask, take a deep breath in. And just ask it again, heart, how do you feel when you hear that I haven't always followed you? Two, word, <clears throat> two words, I think, sad and disconnected. Okay. So heart, why do you feel sad and disconnected? I don't think that's what it's feeling. I don't, I'm not feeling, yeah. You're not feeling sad and disconnected? No. What, what is it, what is your heart saying it's feeling? Uh, the word that comes to mind is whole. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, heart, is it possible that you are God or grace or my intuition dwelling inside? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. And heart, can you forgive me for not always following you? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. It's hard to be, uh, be put on the spot. So one of the things, the quotes that I, I like that, that addresses this example is the heart must usher the mind into the zone of revelation. So we want to, from Joseph Campbell, so we want to learn, learn to live our lives from a heart-centered place. So we're, we're asking the questions of the heart. Mm-hmm. Most people are doing it the other way around. So mm-hmm. we're following the mind and, and, and we're not listening to the voices of, of our heart. And I often, you know, I look at a lot of my depressive episodes in the past and I feel like sometimes it was like a battle between my heart and my ego or my heart and my mind. So Mm -hmm. my soul wanted to go left, but my ego was going right. And I kind of felt pulled in two different directions. And then I got stuck Mm -hmm. because I didn't know which master to listen to. And, and even, you know, even when I left my corporate job, I mean, I, I, if I had, if I, I didn't tell too many people that I was doing that because if I, for a fact that their fear and their concern for me would have prevented me from moving forward. Sure. Because of the, you know, people wanting to protect me. So I just, so the way I use this and I ask people to build this strength within them is just with small decisions, like tuning in and then asking, you know, brown rice or quinoa, right? Chicken or beef. Right. Nothing's going to happen if you serve your family chicken tonight instead of beef, (laughs) but you're going to learn to listen. Yeah. Right. And that's what we want. I, uh, actually Dave, Dave taught me this in a completely different way. So, um, it's just a different language. So, uh, you're always big on, well, what are the principles that you're trying? Like, what are you, what, what are the principles that you want to set this up with? And, and so for a lot of big decisions I've made in the last three or four years, I've followed this and again, it's just different language and it's every time worked out well for me. So when I opened this clinic, I said, how do I want this to feel? Who do I, what is the energy of the clinic? Like when I walk in the door, who is there? Um, and I, I wrote down like a list of the criteria of what the, what this place felt like when I, and you can feel that energy when you walk into the health squad, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, or my husband and I just made a house and I made, we, we sat down together and we said, what, what do we want this to look like? And we said, we want it to be a place that is open and bright and light, not cluttered and full of stuff and financially gives us space to do other things in our life. And so the home building process was easy. It was the best home build ever because we both agreed where, what that, the energy of that looked like at the end. So yeah. Yeah. It, that, that's always, Dave taught me that and it's, it's guided me very well in the last three years. And it, it just reminded me of your exercise. Um, and again, it's just was worded in a different way, but yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, that sounds like setting your intention, right? Yeah. yeah. That you're, 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 so there's this part of the brain called the reticular activating system. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. yeah. So, so for people who are listening, if you don't know, it, it's kind it's like, it's when you, decide to buy a new car or a car and before you um, purchase that vehicle you don't see it on the road but then you decide okay I'm going to buy a Toyota Corolla and then all of a sudden you see Toyota Corollas everywhere well what it, you know why is that is that magic it's it's no it's not it's because you made a decision and your brain is wanting to it, your your brain is like a search engine and it's going to search for what you tell it to search for and it's going to bring into your consciousness, into your field of awareness, what it is that you tell it to bring. And so if you set, sit, sit down and you create a list, okay, I want a home that's bright and spacious and, and um, makes people feel you know, warm and welcome and, and, and um, whatever the, the other criteria was that you had, mm-hmm. then you're, co- you're starting to co-create that with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Most people are reactive and they're not doing, living their lives in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, it's a really important switch for people to make is to really take time and, and every morning to set an intention 
whether you're just setting it for the day, whether you're setting it for the next hour, whether you're setting it for you know, a meeting that you have, or, or whether you're setting it for something big that you're wanting to bring into your life. Extremely powerful. This is like Joe Dispenza's work. Um, it's really, so people can check him out. It's really interesting. Well, speaking of checking out things, I just wanted to ask you maybe where that hard example comes from, the little exercise. Because the one thing that comes to mind for me in, in terms of what it reminds me of is, is taking something from first person to second or third person dialogue, sort of. And, and there's something fundamentally uh, psychologically uh, really cool about doing that. I've done that with a, a friend of mine who's been, uh, he's in the coaching sort of uh, sphere. And he does that where you, you talk to problems or you talk right. to things in it and it's it's like that little bit of separation seems to bring out totally different uh insights and everything so i just want to ask you maybe where that talking to your heart sort of thing comes from so i learned it from uh, mastin kip who is a coach um and his um i saw him doing that and so then i just started i thought it was quite uh, interesting um, and so then I started incorporating though that line of questioning. Mm -hmm. It's in my book. I didn't. I sort of skipped a few questions because of just because of the nature of being, you know, on on air. Um, but generally, it's that that's where that's where it's referenced from. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it creates that space uh, to even have those questions because, like, how often have you sat there and asked yourself those questions? Right? Mm -hmm. so. Well, and, and usually what people say, like sometimes people, very, very rarely do people say that they've always followed their heart. But usually, um, the, you know, when, when you ask the heart, well, why are you sad? It usually says, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm here to guide you or mm -hmm. you don't listen to me or I want to support you. You know, those sort of um, it, responses come. And I think what people, what, what I really want people to do is, is, again, learn to trust this voice, right? Because because we, we end up getting stuck in our heads and living up here. And then often we get stuck in this place of fear, mm -hmm. right? Right. And, and so, and that's not the best way to be living our lives. Yeah. And to heal, like where health comes from means to make whole, right? So you're making, you're trying to make it head and heart. Uh, you're trying to make them whole, which is yeah the essence of healing. So, yeah. Dr. Chris, uh, one of your, um, just, just maybe we can talk about this for just a little bit, but one of those kind of roots of, of you know, looking at a person holistically was, was the physical. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just love to chat about that because really, you know, we do as naturopathic doctors have the, the training and the ability to understand physical um, cues too, whether that's hormones or endocrine system or nervous system or gut. So I would just love to hear, you know, on your journey and your work with your patients, how you, how, how the physical, um, how you really see it melds into um, really having something to say about mental health as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I, what I just so touching on what you just said, so understanding that with the respect to the physical, we want to understand that there's three macro systems within you, within, with all, within all of us. And as David was saying, you know, there's no barriers, right? We're just, we're one, we're one container and there's not like there's walls built up between these different systems in the body. So the three main macro systems that I think are involved with mental health are the neurotransmitters. So serotonin, GABA, norepinephrine, epinephrine, dopamine, glutamate. Then you have your neuroendocrine or hormonal system. So thinking of your thyroid and estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, testosterone, DHEA. And then you have your organs of detoxification and your immune system, which, you know, the gut microbiome is included in that organs mm -hmm. of detoxification piece of the puzzle. So imbalances in mental health so the symptoms like depression and anxiety and sleeping problems and irritability, moodiness, et cetera, those can be in any one of those three macrosystems as a result of. So deficiencies in hormones, for example, can result in those symptoms from a mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. So where it started for me was the was with the Nobody talked necessarily to me about food, but it was more about building in the nutritional supplements that support the serotonin pathway. And what's important to understand, and this was really, really highlighted to me um, when I got to naturopathic school, we had to analyze our diets as a project. And 
the only essential amino acid I was deficient in was tryptophan, which is the precursor to form serotonin. Mm-hmm. So I had gotten better because Dr. Hoffer and Dr. Larry Chan, who is my naturopathic doctor, they had put in supplements to support that pathway. But from a root cause, I had a really bad diet. Like because I had the eating disorder, I had a lot of cracks in my nutritional foundation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I got better was with the supplements was because it was plugging the gaps or, or filling the cracks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But in order for me to not take so many supplements, I had to take a look at what I was eating eventually. Um, and that's why the, my other book is called The Essential Diet, Eating for Mental Health. So what I want people to understand is you have within you the ability to make the neurotransmitters and the hormones, but you have to give your body the precursors to do so. And that comes from the food that you're eating. So when we want to support the physical level, the foundation is diet. Mm-hmm. And, I, and naturopathic doctors really excel at this. Now, I know for me, I mean, it, it was daunting to, to be told, you know, cut out wheat, dairy, sugar, eggs, you know, chocolate and tomatoes on my first visit, right? That was super overwhelming for me because mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was any other grain out there other than wheat, right? So right. I had heard of quinoa. I didn't know how to spell it. I couldn't pronounce it. I mean, what, <laughs> what the hell is that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is like, gosh, I mean, we're going back a long time. And now people are so much more knowledgeable about food. Um, well, it's a little easier. Give yourself a break. It's a little bit easier now than it was. Back <laughs> yeah. Then. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was no, yeah, there wasn't the internet. And so, um, but I had never set foot in a health food store right in my life. So, um, so anyway, I just want people to understand that and, and you hear this thrown around, you know, that you're not depressed because you have a deficiency of Prozac, right? Now I don't want people to think that I'm anti-medication. I'm not, I'm just, I, t- I really subscribe to Dr. Hoffer's philosophy, which is minimum dose for maximum benefit for the shortest duration of time. Yeah. I say that to my patients. What's the exit strategy? Right. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes mm-hmm. you need to mm-hmm. for sure. If you're right, if you're where I used to be with my mental health, you kind of needed that of medication course. to help, but I never got a hundred percent better. But I never got to that place where I, you know, using coming back to that word, well, I never felt well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyways, diet is, is, is such an important piece. Um, and, and that got me so far, right? Um, and then the other pieces on that physical level that I think um, people give a lot of lip service to, but I think we really want to understand that it's not just about lip service. Like you have to do it. And that's the exercise and sleep mm-hmm. and you were a runner right mm-hmm. yes so, so now that, I'm a how did that how did that <laughs> how did that fit into everything like um because you yeah. were running all through these tough times it sounds like it was probably a smart thing to do but it was maybe not sufficient um because you know i lot i know a lot of people feel like they're running or or their exercise is like one of the best things for their mental health but sometimes it's not enough do you want to just talk maybe about what it was like for you Really yeah, hard. yeah. I was always a runner, um, and and I think part of the thing was the intention behind it. So, what the question is, why are you running? And for a lot of it, for me, I was running a because I was running away from something, mm-hmm. and B, I was managing my eating issues. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't using running from a healthy perspective. I was using it uh, more as an addiction to manage other problems. Um, So that's sort of from the negative perspective, but from the the positive side is for me is it brought me um, that sense of connection with my running partners and felt like I had uh, to, to to be accountable, right? To show up. Um, So that is where I think it brings a positive, but from a, biochemical perspective there's lot you know lots of research to show that it uh, the, the endorphins that get produced and and the benefits that happen to us physiologically just from the exercise but i think the key thing with exercise is it has to be something that you enjoy i and it doesn't always have to be with somebody else but i think from a mental health perspective that sense of connection is is important 
Um, and I also think that um, you want to be doing it for the right, you know, what's the reason you're doing it, right? And, and I think it's a good enough reason to do it because we're suggesting that you do it to help your mental health. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that, that's a good reason. But if you're doing it because you are compensating because you ate half a cake last night. Right. Sure. I mean, you know, you might want to sit in those feelings instead yeah. and, and, and be with that versus try to manage something, uh, cover something up that you're not willing to look at. That's so, making sense. So, Dr. Chris, when someone comes in your office, uh, would you say you see a higher proportion of people who are anxious or depressed or uh, one leads to the other? What, what, do you, what do you normally, if you had to say, like, this is what I normally see? And I know you can get a, a naturopath can always weasel out by saying, uh, you know, I, I see, I treat what I see and everyone's different and, and all that. But if there's any, some, any sort of um, things that you see more frequently than others, what would you say they are? Well, actually, I would say it's pretty equal between depression and anxiety. And, but not every person with depression has anxiety and not everyone with anxiety has depression. Mm -hmm. So there is that separation. However, there, is, there are a group, you know, there are some people that experience both. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they kind of spiral into each other. Um, but I would say for the most part, I, I feel like I see more depression Mm -hmm. um, so probably if I was to divide it up, it would be say 60, 40. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when, when someone say I'm a depressed person, I come to see you, what's, what's the first sort of line of questioning that you're thinking down? Like, of, of course we say, hello, you make some, uh, you know, we, we talk a little bit, we look at our, your intake form and all that, but what do you, what's the first sort of thing you're trying to determine when you, when I've come to you and I put on my form, uh, I'm mm -hmm. depressed. What's the first yeah. sort of line of questioning that you're going to go down? So for me, it's, it's really understanding not what's wrong with them, but what's happened to them. Mm -hmm. So what's been the set of circumstances or what's happened in their life to bring them to this, to this point in their journey? And, and it really depends on the line of questioning can depend on, you know, how long, when, when did this first happen for you? When do you first, did you first recognize depression or identify with that label? Um, and then for me, it's also about asking, and I think this is key because this is what um, not many doctors asked me, which is, well, what is the nature of the thoughts you're thinking? Mm -hmm. So who has the floor inside your head? Is it an inner critic or is it an inner cheerleader or champion? And for the most part, the line of questioning that I'm taking patients on is to uncover what their core beliefs are and the distorted automatic thinking that is, that is clouding their judgment and contributing to, I think, to their state of mental health. And then of course, I'm trying to, you know, assess which macro system, you know, is involved here. So, um, you know, if it's somebody who's recently had children or again, what's the nature of the, the stress that's in their lives, because looking at it from that, cortisol perspective, that adrenal perspective. So really trying to identify what's going on for this person and how can we put some pillars in place or strategies in place to help them navigate whatever it is that they're navigating. Mm -hmm. So once you start putting all those pillars in place, like I'd argue only naturopaths can in terms of uh, having a breadth of uh, perspectives to, to look at a person with. Um, once you do that, you, you, you're sort of like filling up each little bucket that needs to be full for sort of, you know, whole wellness. Who, who do you find yourself uh, reaching out to for collaboration most often in terms of like other professionals or whatever? Do you feel like uh, there's some that you really find are, are critical in terms of, uh, you know, filling up some of the spots that you think need uh, some specific expertise from outside? Well, so it, it, it'll depend on how depressed or, you know, depressed or anxious they are. So I have this objective evaluation that I use from Christine Podesky, who is one of the cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, Mind Over Mood is her book. So she has this evaluation form to just assess people. Um, so if they're off the charts where they require medication, and, and they're currently in my office often because they don't want to take medication. But sometimes I have to say, you know what, you, you, you just need this for this for a short for the short term, 
right? So that we can do the mental, emotional, spiritual work. It's easier to do that work when you're, you have a little bit more, uh, you, you're on solid ground. Mm-hmm. It's harder if I've got to pull you, you know, 100 feet up from the bottom of the well to get mm-hmm. you onto, right? So, so I may be referring to a medical doctor or a psychiatrist, depending. But, if, but let's just say it's somebody who, who is, say, a, like a 5 out of 10 depressed or a 4 out of 10 or 3. Like they're, they're not feeling, you know, they're not at risk and they're, you know, in a position where I can offer some support. Mm-hmm. So the main person that I, would, I really want people to be working with is the psychologist. Uh, so that's, that's the primary referral for me because I, I do, a, a, I have a additional training in a few types of therapy that I incorporate, but I, I'm not able to see people every week and people have that coverage often for a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I'm really wanting to help with that mind piece. So the core beliefs and um, looking at shadow beliefs and these types of things. So that's what I'm often referring so I'm often referring or working with a psychologist okay I I'm, I I've got this image as I'm speaking with you that's really neat and it, I work go with me here because I don't have it fully fleshed out but I have this image just as you're talking about your approach and you know how naturopathic medicine is so versatile and we have all of these tools in order to help people and I just had this image of someone in a boat who, who's asking for help and you know, there might be bailing water out with a bucket, you know, they might have a small bucket, they might have a large bucket, there might be holes in the boat, um, holes, you know, in the bucket. Maybe, maybe holes in the bucket, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there's a really big one. And, and for a while, we need to, you know, a medic, something like a big plug, like a medication. Um, maybe, maybe that works for a little bit, but maybe we need to change the buoyancy of the water or the environment that the boat is in. And, and and then eventually maybe we realize we don't need that boat and we realize that with a bit of surrender that we realize we can swim, that we have kind of the answers that are in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that analogy fits, but that as you're talking and I was trying to weave lots of different, you know, things together, that that's just the picture that came to my mind. of. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that, yeah. that describes it right. Really, really beautifully you know and it's a really good visual for people to have because because that 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 is the reality is that you know there there may be some holes that have to be plugged right and we have to but whether it's you know using medication or we're using the nutrition where you you know it's difficult to depression's difficult because we we really have you know asking a depressed person to reach out asking a depressed person to okay you know start cooking your meals they're often not eating or Mm -hmm. they're just not caring for themselves so you have to get people to the place where they want to care for themselves to to then be able to ask to ask them to cook for themselves sure yeah you need to find inertia wherever you can source it yeah a little spark somewhere yeah yeah um dr chris i'd love to shift a little bit here um and uh, th- this is going to date this episode a little bit, hopefully for not too long. But um, we're sitting here right now in the middle of uh, April. I don't yeah, even know April what day 9th. of the week it is. Yeah, April yeah, 2020. And uh, so we're in the middle of a of a pandemic, um, and the world has really uh, flipped. The boat has turned upside down for a lot of people. Right. Right. We have a lot of changes that are out of our control, and. I know there are many, many people who are, are struggling. Um, and so, and first, I'd just love to hear your, your thoughts and observations of what's been happening, you know, in the midst of this pandemic. And yeah, I'd love to just hear, hear your experience so far and, and your, any observations you've had. Mm-hmm. Well, I can, I can tell you uh, fr- from an, an observ- observation from myself. So I'm not normally one to watch the news. And so it's a self-care strategy for myself to not listen to the news. I, I don't generally do that. Uh, so I, but I started to, because I felt like I needed to be informed and there were, you know, changes that were happening and I needed to know from a clinical, as a clinician, well, what am I, you know, what am I, what are the public health um, policies and, and what am I to be doing? But, but then I noticed um, that my mood was tanking 
-hmm. And so I was like, okay, what's, so what's happening? And, and like every other time in the past, I say to myself, okay, Chris, what's changed? What's different? So when I look at, so my book is called Beyond the Label, 10 Steps to Improve Your Mental Health with Naturopathic Medicine. So I look at the 10 steps and I think about, well, which, where have I stumbled on those 10 steps? Mm -hmm. and, and, I'm, and so the one area that I stumbled was this stress management piece around the news and, and my sleep because I was staying up late to watch the news. Uh, so I'm like, okay, you know what? That's not working for me. So I cut that out. And now I feel, I feel a lot better. <laughs> so what I want people to understand is um, there isn't a lot actually you can control. We are under this delusion that we are in control and mm -hmm. we're, we're actually not. But there are some things that you can do. And the one thing, that, well, more than one thing that you do control and you can control is your response to things. The thoughts that you think are completely in your control. So as we were talking about earlier, you can be coming at this from a place of fear or you can be coming at it from a place of, of gratitude. You can be coming at it from a place of suffering or you can be coming at it from a place of service. So which so you want to be asking yourself, how do I want to come at this? From what, what position do I want to, or how do I want to respond? And there's a framework that I teach it's called the four R's. Well, it's called the seven R's of working with problematic thoughts, but I was just going to keep it short for you guys because okay. <laughs> it's a nature of being on a podcast and it's sometimes kind of long-winded. But so the first step in this, so the first R is recognize. So most people, again, they're living from the neck up, right? And we're discounting our body. And you need to be asking yourself, what am I thinking? Is it serving me or is it sabotaging me? Is it helping me? Is it hurting me? Is it contributing to me being fearful or is it contributing to me being joyous? And if the nature of your thoughts are not serving you, then the next step is to stop. This is called, the second R is refrain from following those thoughts down this spiral. And I can tell you every suicide attempt that I've had has been because I followed the thoughts. So what you want to understand is your thoughts trigger an emotion, which then trigger another thought which in turn trigger another emotion and we go round and round and round. And there's this field of research called psychoneuroimmunology, which just is a big fancy word that means your thoughts affect how you feel. So what I want people to understand is the thoughts you think peptides. Then these neuropeptides affect the hormones that get produced. And then what do those hormones do? They affect how you feel. So we have a little bit of a chicken and an egg problem here. I know for myself, I was super resistant. And I think this is part, partly why I struggled for so many years, because I was so resistant to the idea, change your thoughts, change your life. Because I felt like when you were saying that to me, you were implying that I was causing my depression intentionally with the thoughts I was thinking. And for you, for me to go from the predominant negative core belief in me was I am unworthy which stems to me, for me, um, from being adopted. So to go to, I am worthy. I just was like, well, I don't, that's like spraying whipping cream on a pile of baloney. Like, I don't <laughs> believe that, mm -hmm. but that's, that's the problem. Nobody told me, nobody said you have to believe the thought. You don't have to believe it, but just saying it creates a different physiological cascade because of psychoneuroimmunology. Eventually, you will feel differently because of that. And if that's too hard for people as it, as it was for me, then just go neutral. And then, and the rephrase would be, I am, which is difficult, right? It's really hard to go neutral. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to challenge everybody who's listening, just go neutral in your day. You know, the weather is the show was the, the cake, you know, is, he is, she, you know, but we're really descriptive in the language that we use, right? Um, so anyway. Well, you're, you're, you're just dissecting really, uh, Dr. Chris, you're sort of dissecting the first steps of like meditation, which I've done. Well, yeah, like, so that, like that's right. So that's the. Hours, which is thoughts come and then I watch okay. them and then I don't respond to them. I don't give them fertilizer and water and sun. Fuel. 
and fuel, and then they go. That's right. <laughs> and another one comes, and you just sit there, and you don't react, whether it's good or bad. That's the interesting part of meditation is you, you sort of just like watching it. But it's, it's, it's sort of like these first two R's, recognize. Well, and, and guess what the next one is. <laughs> Can you, you tell guess? Me. You tell me. Well, you, you could tell me for sure. So the next one is relax into yeah. the breath. Yeah. <laughs> relax into the breath. So it is essentially I'm teaching meditation because what I ask people to do is one hand on the, on the belly button, left hand on the heart, and, and then teaching them to breathe. Mm-hmm. Because just like we're living right here from the neck up, we're also just breathing with the top little bits of our lungs, right? But our lungs go all the way down to the bottom of our rib cage. Our diaphragm is there. It pulls down if you're taking a full, deep diaphragmatic breath. But what's sitting right underneath your diaphragm on top of your kidneys is your adrenal glands, mm-hmm. right? And so you're physiologically wired to calm yourself down. But the, cha- the challenge is most of us don't take this time to do the deep breathing. And if the word meditation scares you, it, I, I'm just asking you to take two deep conscious breaths where you look at something in nature. As soon as you recognize that you're in that dangerous place in your mind, come back to the present moment, right? Stay in the present moment. And with what's going on right now, most people, we're aware, they're not in the present moment, right? There's three places we can be living in our minds, past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And when I ask my patients, where are you living? Most of them say the past or the future. Mm-hmm. Well, that, those places don't exist. All that exists is this moment that we have right here, right now. So you get back to the present moment and then affirm the outcome you want to have for the future. So if we're concerned what's going on or you have any worry, whether it's concerned about your financial situation or you're concerned about your, your, you're concerned about your, chil- your child getting bullied at school, whatever it is, come back to this moment and think about coming back to what we were talking about earlier, that intention setting. Your thoughts have power. They really do. So think about what do you want to have happen and rest on that and then let it unfold. So, so it's difficult. So, yeah. So then that's oh, the next R. Is, the fourth R. <laughs> <laughs> you want you the seven R's. <laughs> you got to repeat the step, the steps of one, two, and three. Cool. Right. Mm-hmm. The fifth R is uh, added from cognitive behavioral therapy, which is re- rephrase, re- rephrase whatever it was you recognized, mm-hmm. right? And that's that step that I was mentioning for me was really challenging, right? To go from, um, you know, so let's just use what's happening right now. Okay, um, the world is an unsafe place or the virus is going to, I'm going to get COVID-19. Well, instead of that, that the rephrase is, I am healthy, I am safe, I am well. Mm-hmm. That's your mantra. And, and as we were talking about earlier, I'm not sure if it was on this, you know, before we hit record, but I would love to know how many people, I think it was before we hit record, but you know, if you're seeing a naturopathic doctor, they can, they, they, that's one thing that we excel in again is, is helping you nutritionally, making sure that you're eating foods that support your immune system, recognize that stress depresses your immunity. Ah. Getting stressed out right now, as, as I know it's hard, I really do. I, I agree. It, it's, it is challenging for people. I felt challenged, but, but I've moved from that place now to this place of more of, of acceptance and surrender. I know, you know, I, I'm not concerned about my financial situation, so I know that I'm grateful for that. I know that not everybody is in that position, but there's lots of supports available. You aren't going to struggle. And the more that you move to that place of, okay, what can I do that's going to serve me? It's gonna, you're going to be better off than being in that place of, of fear and, and panic and, and worry and, one, and you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't want to fuel any more negative words, so I'll leave it at that. Or as Dr. Tina says, it makes it hard to kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the challenge in that too, right, is that when – we have a lot of people in a place of, you know, acting in a place from a place of fear. Um, The other issue there is it's a time when connection is a a therapy, right? Like where connection, connection to other people 
is, is therapy. Like it, yeah. it's the best medicine there is. And yet, and that's, what's challenging to me is that we've been told, no, sorry, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, you're distancing socially. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're getting creative and in, in finding ways to, to, to continue con- to connect with each other. But um, that's hard on a primate. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard on a primate. <laughs> is this we're supposed to scratch our heads? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have been scratching my head. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's challenging, but I think you just have to do as much connecting as you can with, with, within your immediate circle mm-hmm. right? and, and connect that with them and, and, and know that this isn't going to be, it's not going to be forever. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell that to uh, Justin Trudeau? I know. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I know. I guess I'll I'll try to call him up. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks, you Dr. Have, Chris. You have your people call his. Yeah. 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 In the meantime, I'm stuck at number five, which is rephrase, which is kind okay. of going back through one to four with a little different, um, a little different perspective, which is really cool. So what's number six? So six was is basically reflect. So okay. basically, every time that I've stumbled with, like I was saying, I look back and I say, okay, which of the ten steps I talk about have I stumbled on? here did i you know go off my diet did i stop exercising is my sleep gone right have i sacrificed sleep for netflix have i (laughs) is my stress gone off the rails right what are my so that's that's six and the last zone is seven is reward so if you the more that you practice this you want to be compassionate with yourself you want to grant yourself some positive um affirmations in a sense i mean when i as a joke when i told my husband this i said oh you know i've i've um because jason hughes is another naturopathic doctor that i consulted with uh, or who was who helped me tremendously um with respect to managing my mind so that i'm not at the mercy of it and so he created the four r's and so then I, because I'm this recovering people pleaser, overachiever type, upgraded it to the seven R's, right? Uh-huh. So when I told my husband, hey, I've got this. And he's like, well, you might want to reward yourself and like, you know, go for a beer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, but it, and I said, well, you know, you want, it speaks to that though. What's something kind that you can be doing for yourself every day, especially in this current environment. So whether that's rewarding yourself with taking that time to buy that book that you've been wanting to get. Um, or rewarding yourself with having a, a, that bath that you've been wanting to take, but you never have time to. So just taking that time to do something for yourself or, or having sitting down and having a nice cup of tea and, and phoning your best friend. Mm-hmm. Right? So something that where you can reward yourself. Mm-hmm. I see that often with, in, you know, in physical, like for physical things too, I'll have patients and they'll be like, you know, I'll show them lab results or whatever. And they, they almost forget the journey they've come from. Mm. And like, when I reflect back to them, like, do you know how badass you've been? Like, like, look what you did. Like, do you remember sitting here eight months ago? And these are the changes that you have done. Like you did them. I, I just sat here and helped you and advised, but you did them. Like, yes look where you come. So, and, and, and often we don't stop, like we're just on to the next thing. And so I love that you say that because it's good to reflect back on the journey, what went and just honor the the fact that you did that, right. That you came through and. Yeah. And we often don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it's in our in the way we've been reared, because, you know, I know often as women, you know, we're, we're told to not be, you know, to not be too boastful and to um, just to downplay things. And, and really, there's, you know, there's things that you definitely want to be congratulating yourself on and, and acknowledging like, yeah, you know, that, and actually that was hard. You know, mm-hmm. I can tell you that sucked and it's hard for was hard for me to give up gluten. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I did it. And I'm really happy and I feel so much better that I've, that I've done that, mm-hmm. but it's okay. It's not, everything's going to be like, you know, you want to acknowledge, honor the struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so if people don't, I'm just gonna, I wanna, I wanna go through the one to seven. <laughs> so what? Just, I'm, I'm just gonna list them for people because we're coming to the end and we're gonna get to your one, the one thing that I want people to, to remember about our talk together. But before we get there, because I think it's really cool, is the recognize, refrain, relax, repeat, rephrase, reflect, reward. Yeah. I just, I just think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So um, now that I've gotten that off my chest, I wrote it down too. <laughs> You get an A plus, Steve. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's, much, it's much better than the gut for our program, I got yes, to say. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. And here is from a better that. student, I have to say, but anyway. Um, okay, so my gut is five R's. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> she's going to one-up everyone. Amazing. <laughs> I'll have to come back and tell you that. <laughs> or you well, can, can buy talk, the book. I mean, look, you've, you've brought up some stuff we could talk about in the future, like, um, in depth about you know many different aspects like mm -hmm. you know you talked to, you talked, you mentioned shadow work and i'm like oh god uh, we don't have time for that <laughs> we don't have time for dave's shadows <laughs> but um shadow work is really really interesting i i only barely looked at like the very very surface of it but that's just one example of many of the things that uh, we could talk more about but before we get to that and to conclude uh, a really insightful talk with you i thought we'd just give you the chance to, to leave our listeners with like one thing that you'd like the one thing that you'd like them to take. If they can't, if they don't have the bandwidth to take anything else from our hour long talk, what's the one thing you want people to realize uh, about what we've talked about today? Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that I'd like people to know is that the most important piece of this puzzle is how you feel about you. So coming back to that love piece and understanding that you are going to be with you longer than anyone is going to be with you. So it's really important to get the relationship right with yourself. And so if you have that inner critic that's constantly talking to you in your head as was for me, I want you to know that you can learn to manage your mind so that you're not at the mercy of it. So many people are at the mercy of their minds and and you, you don't you, you just don't need to be but it sometimes you need to work with somebody so i would just encourage you if you're listening to this or if you or if you know somebody that's struggling with their mental health to to if you know somebody who's struggling to reach out to them and to share this episode with them to encourage them to work with a naturopathic doctor or if it's you yourself that uh, is struggling, I would encourage you to, to make that call to somebody. And, and it's really through my own vulnerability that I've been able to um, shine the light of love onto these dark aspects of myself by opening up. And so you don't have to be living, sorry, I'm going on, so I'll, I'll stop it. I'll just stop with this last sentence that you no, don't need to be, yeah. yeah, you just don't need to be struggling in silence and suffering in silence alone. It, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's just really important that you open up and you share because we don't know what's going on inside your head unless you tell us what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's lots of people that can help you. So, and you're here for a reason. We're all here for a reason. So, you know, I, I know that my, um, I, you know, I eventually had to accept that uh, I'm not exiting the planet based on my plan. <laughs> I mean, I, as I mentioned, right, I'm this overachiever and I've tried to commit suicide three times. And obviously I suck at that, so I'm still here, right? But um, it's, it's really, you're, you're, you're here and, and it's really about learning how to, how to navigate the waters and, and using coming back to that boat analogy and we can help row you safely to shore. So. So nice. Okay, so um, if people want to get a hold of, of Dr. Chris uh, in any way, she's got books, which is uh, which is really cool. You've got, I think you're on a third one. You said now, right? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, the fourth one. There's a journal too. That's a companion journal too. I'm big into. I'm. I was a big journaler, mm -hmm. so um, I know that that's not as, as sort of a dying art and um, being overtaken by technology nowadays, but. Um, yeah, so the other book that's coming out, that's May 25th, I think, is called Shadows to Light. Oh, great. Yeah. 
And yeah. where do, uh, where can people find your books? Are there, yeah, where yeah, can they find just them? Just chapters, yeah, chapters online, just mostly online, um, chapters and Amazon, and then in the States, um, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and then to just find uh, sort of your online home is drchristinabjorndahl.com. That's D-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-B-J-O-R-N-D-A-L.com. That's right. Yeah. It's a wonderful talk we've had. Um, maybe we'll talk again um, about some of the stuff uh, that we just touched upon. But I, I think this is really, really important stuff right now. It's always important. This, this episode is always important because mental health is such a huge part of overall health and not uh, different like we talked about. But <clears throat> especially now with um, everything sort of magnified with, with COVID-19, it's, it's, uh, it's nice for everyone to uh, maybe even take home at least one to four of the seven hours. Yeah, I got to be doing it every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the end. Maybe I could, we could do eight and nine would be rinse and repeat. Just to <laughs> <laughs> we got to get it to 10. Well, Dr. Chris, that was definitely good for my heart today. And I'm sure for many of our listeners. So I'm very grateful for you to come on and share your time with us. Yes. Thank you. Oh. Oh, thanks. And thanks for being my guinea pig earlier. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, we will. Uh, I would love to have you back on at some point and uh, have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, take care. Take okay. care.